De la patrulla de Minos de California. Weather headlines for today, yes. Welcome to the Revenue Generator Podcast, an I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear how industry leaders integrate sales, marketing, product, and customer success into a single business unit with a common goal of optimizing their revenue cycle. We'll unearth how innovators integrate data, technology, people, and processes to expedite demand generation and increase recurring revenue. Sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet a member of the Revenue Generation. Here's the host of the Revenue Generator podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast, where we members of the Revenue Generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business to optimize revenue. I'm your host and the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell, and today we're going to discuss the impracticality of data science. Joining us is Katie Kine, who is the CEO of LQ Digital, which is a digital performance agency focused on acquiring profitable customers through paid media, affiliate marketing, SEO, and qualifying those customers via their contact center, serving the largest enterprises such as USAA, Morningstar, VMware, McAfee, and PenFed. Okay, here's my conversation with Katie Kine, the CEO at LQ Digital. Katie, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Doug. Good to see you. It's good to have you on the podcast. So for anyone that's had the privilege of working with a crack data science team, it's a little like jumping on a Harley Davidson for the first time. And just like a Harley, it's awfully easy to throttle up and send your 40K hog hurtling into a wall. Katie, is that the conversation we're going to have today? I like it. It's a good analogy. You know, I think I intentionally try to be a bit provocative, but I think we're seeing some very interesting dynamics right now on the practicality versus the possibility of data. Well, let's start on the possibility because I'm looking forward to making fun of data science here. But what's the practicality that we're looking at? Well, on the practicality side, for me, there's this notion of science experiment versus things you can take action on. And probably what governs me more is the ability to constantly improve, to be better than yesterday, better than last quarter, better than the funnel than we were before. And oftentimes I feel like data science teams that I encounter are trying to build the castle on the hill, the impossible task. And so there's just a tension between completeness, sophistication, and actionability. Yeah, so this is the, uh, the old rubric, the enemy of the good is not the bad, but it's the perfect. Exactly, exactly. So you have data scientists that are building the perfect castle on the hill, the mathematical Camelot. How do you get them in a spot where they're actually creating something that's more practical for you and for your clients? Well, in this instance, it's often what I'm observing in my clients teams as opposed to what we're doing on our own teams. And we have a pretty clear mission of what we're trying to accomplish. And because we do things on behalf of clients, it's hard for us to lose sight of what will be practical. It's just the everyday reality of a small business. But with our clients team, and it has been interesting because of the clients we serve and the enterprises we work with, you know, we are seeing an evolution of these data teams. And the data teams are wired sometimes for exception. And what I mean by that is there's a bit of, yes, we could do that, but that won't work because of this, or you haven't had of this. And I talk about this a lot in my organization of managing to the edge case, 
which is feels dangerous a bit to me because it stops progress. And it's your, your comment about perfect being the enemy of good. In many, many instances, solving an 80% model or solving a hypothesis that moves you further feels more pragmatic, feels like a test in iterative mode. And so I certainly don't mean to you know, paint all data science teams with that brush, but I do feel like data teams have become, quote, data science teams, as opposed to sometimes they're just analytics and uh, BI teams, but they like to think of themselves as data science teams. And, and we're doing too much on the science as opposed to the business. Well, I want to get to how we make things practical for business. And having worked at a company that had a 10-person data science team, and I'm fairly confident some of them are listening right now, I'm okay if we make fun of them a little bit. I think that's fine. Oh, don't personalize it, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, let's start with those edge cases. So, And I think this is fairly important for any of us that have had to deal with large data sets in the past, especially trying to find the proverbial data needle in the haystack. Edge cases can really blind you from the purpose, from the idea, from the core of what you're trying to get to. What's a typical edge case that you usually find clients running into that they're fascinated with? And how is that typically kind of interfering with that data set and how they might use it practically? Well, my examples are going to be fairly rote in the sense of you've explained what LQ does, and a lot of it is top to bottom of the funnel motion, right? So when we're talking about data science, I'm not talking about, you know, Uber thinking about an AI product feature in a market, right? I'm literally talking about the machinery, demand generation, and customers, and how could we automate some of those processes and in, you know insights around acquisition, let's say. And so an edge case might be, we will constantly hear about how data fields don't really capture what's happening with the sales organization, or we will be hearing how the definition of this type of data field versus that isn't really, that doesn't really represent what happens. And so it seems to slow down progress of which, you know, I often ask my teams that like, how often would that happen? And they would say, well, probably, I don't know, 10%. And I was like, and in 10% of those cases, you know, how often do we feel that that might take a left turn? I don't know, a third of those. Okay, so 3% of the cases and the data set that we're looking for are going to have some noise. Can you give me the 97? Because I'd be very, very interested in knowing what's happening in the other 97. And I think a lot of this goes back to the integrity of the data. People aren't confident that the data actually represents what they feel they know to be true. So your role here, and I'm going to use the word you very intentionally because I know that you represent this larger value prop and this larger thing that is LQ Digital. But your role ultimately is this. You're quite often coming in and there are these large data sets driven by data science teams. And those clients are struggling with how to interpret the data, right? Your job is to deliver results. Data might be an impediment to actually delivering those results. So helping people manage around those edge cases and just be, and you've used this term before, I'm going to borrow it for the podcast, Katie, but maybe cowboy math, right? The ability to really bleed out what's important from that data set. So what are some tips for other folks that are heading into a situation where they've got a lot of data, they've got in front of them, they have a digital challenge in front of them, they've got to make the numbers better. 
What's a good solid data set that you would look at and recommend that you would start with? What's a good starting point for people? Because we want to get back to the practicality. We haven't made a fun of the data science enough yet, but we want to talk about how we get it practical. Excellent question. And I think I start my where my mind went first is like top and bottom at the very highest level, right? We tend to get caught in interim stages and it doesn't have to be the funnel, right? At the end of the day, we get caught in a number of activity data points that don't really talk about outcomes. And so sometimes, frankly, it's the simplest questions. It is the simplest questions that the teams that have the biggest data science teams, they say, well, that depends. That's a complicated question. I'm like, no, it's not a complicated question. How many customers did you close last year? And what did that cost you? I don't need necessarily a deep data science team. So I would say there's a gross simplification of the question, right? And the questions need to be tied to what moves the business. And the second thing is, is that there's often a lot in the sandwich, but I need to know what happens at the top and I need to know what happens at the bottom because parsing that out gets more sophisticated, more complex, et cetera. But I'm not sure it necessarily points us to the problem. And I'll give an example. We were you know, talking in a a situation around demand for a particular client. And there was a notion of what opportunities might go to what team and where would it be most leveraged for close. And, And there was a notion that this was a sophisticated data science problem. And that I agreed with. But at some point I thought, we could probably split all these campaigns between A, B, and C. And we could probably do that in 30 seconds. And then we could start to think about that prioritization and where the constraint line fit in a capacity model before we got to the nuance of the which campaign goes first over which. And so there was this sophisticated data science problem that I didn't feel like we could even break down first in just a order of operations problem. And and so maybe it's not that the data science team is the one that's complicating things. It's that the business people have an obligation to small, medium, large, or orders of prioritization or levels of impact on the problem before we go deep. Because I feel like the going deep sometimes presents so many permutations, it paralyzes people. Makes a lot of sense. You're almost the practicality police here, right? And I think you're almost asking folks to take a step back. Large data sets, small data sets, top of funnel, bottom of funnel. Your job is to really help them ask the right questions, right? And you're asking the right questions based on business need and business priority. Are there areas that you'd recommend folks start? Let's And I want to start with tofu if we can. And that's not just the thing that ends up in your miso soup, right? That's the top of funnel. I want to start with tofu. What are some data sets that you typically look at and find valuable? And what are some of those great business questions that you can ask when you think about tofu? It's interesting. And and I don't want to take you in another direction, but I think I would have gone the exact opposite. I always start bottom of the funnel. And part of that is I just want to know, just tell me what good looks like, right? And the bottom of the funnel, forget, it doesn't even have to be bottom of the funnel. Get me to the outcome and show me what good looks like. Show me what they they look like as an organization, a buyer. Show me what a good process looks like. Show me what great looks like because I'm oriented towards more great. How do we go get more great? And then at the bottom, you also see what didn't happen. What, you know, closed transaction, failed process, you know, breakout in the pro, you know, whatever that is. And 
and like, help me to diagnose that to understand what it might tell me and the activities leading up to it. So I have a, a little bit more of a, probably a flip way of looking at that is, you know, maybe as a past CMO and largely in B2B, it was like, I just want more of what works. And then I'm going to go figure out how to crack the code on what is not working. I think that's really great advice. And and so there's a lot of folks that are listening right now. A lot of the marketers are like, I get it. Okay, so let's start from the bottom of the funnel. But you're really actually talking about starting before the bottom of the funnel. I don't know what to call that, right? But you're basically saying, what does a win look like? And really, I think you're extrapolating out, say, what does not just a win look like, but what is a great customer blah? In this case, I'm going to say, what's a great customer experience? Because that great customer experience probably relates to more than just revenue in that moment. It, it represents revenue over time. So this trick of starting with the bottom of the funnel, it's a great one. But really, Katie, what you're saying is start even further down on that customer relationship. It's not about the conversion. It's about the character and quality of that customer that you're trying to generate from that bottom of funnel transaction. Clearly. I mean, we talk about it as ideal customer profile. And so our, you know, in this instance, and I'm getting back to a motion that we're talking about that I'm comfortable with, we can extrapolate it to another model, but it's basically tell me about that person or buyer or organization with data. Why do they do what they do? Why are they motivated to do what they do? And then thinking about how to pragmatically approach anything that comes before that. And again, I'm trying to think of a corollary, which is let's take a hiring process. Show me the seven that we hired that met our criteria. Tell me about that. What And then we can go into tactics, et cetera. I think the thing sometimes that our science is missing or our data science is missing is that at some point, someone has to do something. That doing of something means hire more salespeople, spend more media, improve something, you know, in our process. And I often get a lot of data, but not in a way that like, what would you like me to do with this? So I guess I'm oriented towards data of I would rather have a leaner data set that allows me to do something than a very robust data set that we spend time talking about how much complexity it reveals in the business. And, you know, we are blessed with a pretty clean data set. So we can make some of those judgment calls. But oftentimes I feel like the stitching together of the data set right now is like a national pastime in marketing. (laughs) I would say that we are a bit fascinated with data and there's a certain amount of navel gazing that's going on when it comes to the data. So I think there's lots of good practical tips and advice. And I especially like this idea of asking the right questions before you jump in the data set. What are the common sense business questions that you need to ask before you fall in love with and become enamored with those data sets? So Katie, love to have you come back into the show and talk a lot more about things like digital silos. Are you willing to rejoin me on the show? Absolutely. I'm glad to be here. Thanks, Doug. All right. Let's do this again. Okay. That wraps up this episode of the Revenue Generator Podcast. Thanks to Katie Kime, CEO at LQ Digital, for joining us in part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow. Katie and I are going to talk about breaking down digital silos. If you can't wait until our next episode and would like to learn more about Katie, you can find a link in her LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you can contact her on Twitter, where her handle is at Katie Kime. That's K-A-T-Y-K-E-I-M-O, or visit her company website at lqdigital.com. Just one more link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to revgenpod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. 
You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, apply to be a speaker on the Revenue Generator podcast, or you can even share your revenue generation questions, which we'll answer live on the show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is RevGenPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Market Advocate. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a daily stream of RevGen strategies in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed on the next business day. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, keep cranking because the revenue isn't going to generate itself.